Flying B. Petitions. Lunch. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is travel news. And this was actually sent to me by one of our listeners. Ooh. This is from CNN. And the headline is KLM Airlines to fund development of fuel-efficient Flying V plane. So this is a new design of commercial airplane. Hmm. And I will show you a picture in a moment. Yes. The development of a V-shaped fuel-efficient airplane design known as the Flying V is getting a boost with the announcement that Dutch national carrier KLM Royal Dutch Airlines will help to fund it. Intended to improve the sustainability of air travel, the Flying V was conceived by Justice Benad, then a student at the Technical University of Berlin, and developed by researchers at Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands, also known as TU Delft. Sure. <laughs> its futuristic design incorporates the passenger cabin, fuel tanks, and cargo hold into the wings. So, like, the wings are actually where you sit. Okay. You'll see in the photo. Yeah. Um, it's claimed that this plane will use 20% less fuel than the Airbus A350-900 model of plane, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> while carrying a similar number of passengers. The Flying V will seat 314 people, while the Airbus A350 seats between 300 and 350. So similar number of passengers, but 20% less fuel. The design also mirrors um, the A350 65-meter wingspan, enabling it to use existing airport infrastructure. So it's not going to be like too, oh, okay. it won't be like larger wingspan. The people working on this estimate that this design might be used commercially between 10 and 20 years from now, because that's when it's going to be done with all the testing. Okay. So. That's not here, that far away. It's not that far. Here's the photo. Huh. <laughs> what do you think? It looks like a, looks like a plane in a video game that glitched out. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought, too. It looks kind like... Kind of like a, two planes lost their wings and then smooshed together in the front. Like two conjoined twin planes. Like Yeah. Two conjoined twin planes with no arms. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically it's like, it's like the shape of a V mm-hmm. where the front obviously is like the same cockpit mm-hmm. but then it branches off into these two branches that are both like a fuselage and a wing of the plane yeah they look they look like the body of a regular plane but yeah it's like if you've made like wing. two bodies of a regular plane into this v shape and made it wings did they explain why that's more fuel efficient um i believe they did go a little bit into that but i didn't Okay. understand it, I was just really. curious because at a glance I don't know why it would be but I I, I, <laughs> I also don't know um, but I think it had something to do with like the airflow and lift it's easier to it's easier to get lift mm-hmm. this way I wonder if it's inspired by like birds who fly like that like geese who fly in a V pattern yeah it could because, be because like the reason that they do that is the the like the ones behind I think get some kind of it's fewer it's less like friction it's less effort for them to to go 
like and they rotate in and out of the V. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that would be part of it, but that could be part of it. Yeah. Um, I know that some like military planes are kind of shaped with this like V kind of shape in the front. So. Yeah, I was picturing when you first talked about it, like one of those stealth planes, mm-hmm. but in a more V shape than even those are. I think so. this is kind of that same idea, but just on the more of like a yeah. commercial jet kind Which of version of it. Which just makes it look inherently so. way goofier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My first story is AI news. This comes from Vox. Send a baby to Mars and other AI generated petitions. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, wait. They're, they're generating like petitions with AI. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. This is so, amazing. <laughs> uh, Janelle Shane, a research scientist in optics, fed a large set of the petitions on change.org into <laughs> the publicly available version of OpenAI's GPT-2 language generation system and had the AI generate its own petitions. Okay, I love this so, so much. You know change.org is that yes. place where people can just put a petition and mm-hmm. have a bunch of people sign it and it won't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took a bunch of those, fed the titles into this, and saw what it come up, came up with. Uh, before I read any of the titles, a little more background. Uh, the way GPT-2 works is that after being fed a text prompt or, prompt or passage, it predicts the next words using sophisticated new techniques that allow it to maintain more continuity across paragraphs than earlier language systems have been capable of. Uh, GPT-2 is behind the site TalkToTransformer.com, which is the one that we oh, yeah, uh, yeah. were playing with previously on the show uh but this is what you've been waiting for here are some of the petitions that it came up with i just got a list of them okay sorry these are great everyone put the bats on youtube (laughs) help bring climate change to the philippines (laughs) taco chipotle and starbucks colon bring back lettuce fries Mr. Person, colon, I want a fresh puppy in my home. (laughs) What? Sign petition for Houston's new fireworks to be offensive. (laughs) (laughs) That's my second favorite one. Uh, Taco Bell, offer hot wings and non-perfumed water to all customers. Okay. And this is my favorite. Dogs are not a thing. Dog owners are not human beings. (laughs) This is so funny. Both of those statements had two exclamation points after them. (laughs) And finally, tougher penalties for for pedestrians and elephants on city streets in Austin, Texas. (laughs) So there were more, um, but those were, that was a high, a selection for you. Uh, I love these, these AI generated things. They're stupid, but they're so fun. I love it too. Cause it's just like, it's cool to me how, the human mind can tell that something is ridiculous, but it's like, it's still following the format of that thing that it's, you know, trained on. You know what I mean? That's kind of how they describe it in the article. It's, uh, it's, it's like a parallel universe almost where everything is sort of like ours, but shifted just a little off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. kind of what all of these come across as. They also went into some detail in the article about how, um, a lot of scientists are unsure of whether AI things like this are actually demonstrating anything that impressive or uh, if how far off we are from actually having AI that is unmistakably human. Yeah. So uh, 
that part was boring. I just liked the titles. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think that's the interesting, the article link will be in the show notes as always. So cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. My next story is world news. And this is from Fox News. A 21-year-old American woman has achieved an unbelievable feat that many only dream of. She has visited every country on Earth. Whoa. And she is slated to smash the current Guinness World Record for the youngest person to see all 196 sovereign nations. The record was previously held by a 24-year-old. Oh, wow. And she's 21. Man, that's going to make her really hard to follow up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh Accomplishing this lifelong dream as she stepped foot in North Korea on May 31st this oh, year. Oh, yeah. That was the last a, country. That'd be a challenging mm-hmm. one. Lexi Alford told Fox News that she immediately felt relief because she had accomplished the goal. Alford was born into a family of travel agents, <laughs> which gave her the unique opportunity to <laughs> tour exotic places like Cambodia, Dubai, and Egypt during her childhood, Forbes reports. The Wayfarer said she began saving up at age 12 to fund the goal of visiting all 196 nations on the planet. By her 18th birthday, Alfred realized she had traveled to 72 nations, putting her that much closer to breaking the world record. In 2016, she realized that she could see the 124 remaining nations on her list in time to set a Guinness record. So she set the goal then and has been trying to get and it. And beat it by then. three years. Yes. So she really had time to spare Yep. That. Uh, also, she is on Instagram as Lexi Limitless and has 44,000 followers. And at some point, she switched to pursuing this record as her like full-time thing that she was doing. Wow. <laughs> so she basically was just traveling and posting on Instagram, and she said it was she wanted to inspire other people. So, yeah, so she is, I think, the, like, she's submitting evidence to the Guinness people right now to, like, they, they're just double-checking that she actually, like, went to all the places. But right. What She's, qualifies as a visit? Did she literally just have to set like that is foot a in good it, or question. did she have to stay? That is a good question. It did not say in this article. Yeah. Um. I would it be it didn't say. Yeah, I don't know. And she went to Azerbaijan. I think she went everywhere. So wow. I guess so. I don't know. I just like. Saying, I think she took like photos of herself in every place, like in front of things there. Yeah. So like as proof that she was there, basically. That's so cool. That would be really neat. I mean, there's some countries I have no interest in ever visiting, but most of them I'd probably like to see. Yeah, I would like to see them too. I have a goal of visiting all 50 states, which is a little more achievable in my mind than all the countries in the world, but that would be sweet to do that. Yeah, I need to start keeping track of where I have been because I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I really want to put up like like a map of the U.S. and like, Put or or a world map or something, and put like safety pins like everywhere I've been. They or have something. they have really those cool ones where you uh, they're like scratch off maps. Oh, have you seen those? No, it's like a scratch off ticket, but every it's a map, and you scratch off all the states that you go to. That sounds really cool, and I want one of those now. Yeah, that would be perfect for, <laughs> yeah. for your goal. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, that's that's so cool. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. But... I'm I'm massively jealous. I do like traveling. Me too. My next story is science news. This comes from CNN. Dinosaur bones shimmering with opal reveal a new species. Whoa. I didn't know that fossils could do this. Yeah, I didn't know fossils could do this. This is 
I've got pictures too. Hmm. Um, a hunt for precious gemstones revealed the first fossil evidence of a dinosaur herd, including a previously undiscovered dinosaur species in Australia. The new dinosaur wow. fossil was discovered in a, an opal mine and has turned into the gem itself, making it the most complete opalized dinosaur skeleton in the world. Which I didn't know this was, was a thing. Um, which is according to a new study published Monday in the Journal of Vertebrate Paleontology. So that's cool. Wow. Uh, the fossils were first discovered in the 1980s by opal miner Bob Foster in the Sheepyard Opal Field when he took them to the Australian Museum in Sydney. They were displayed there for a few years before Foster brought them to the Australian Opal Center. Uh, when the fossils were officially donated by his children to the center in 2015, the scientific research could finally begin. That's why something from the 1980s is finally mm. being talked about now. Okay. Um, paleontologist Phil Bell. What a delightfully simple name. Phil Bell? Phil Bell. I can... It's simple. That's a nice, easy one to yeah. say. Uh, realized the fossils must belong to a previously undiscovered dinosaur species, but as he and his colleagues looked at more of the fossils, they realized the bones belonged to more than one dinosaur. This led the researchers to believe they found a family of dinosaurs, or at least a small herd, which is apparently uncommon. Hmm. Um, the new species have, has been given, uh, the name Fostoria Dimbangumol, 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 sure, yeah, that sounds like something. Um, the genus is a nod to Bob Foster's discovery of the fossil, Fostoria, and the species name, which I will not try to say again, means sheepyard <laughs> in the... Yuwalare language, which, which was once spoken by people indigenous to New South Wales. All right. I, yeah, I'm learning a lot from this article. <laughs> Fostoria was an herbivore that stood on its hind legs and belonged to the same group of dinosaurs as iguanodons. Some of the adults are estimated to be up to 16 feet long from the fossils that they found. Um, and Opal can be just about any color in the visible spectrum, and uh, most of the world's opal is mined from the Australian outback. It forms in rock cavities, so essentially when a bone is buried in sand or clay and turns into stone, opal creates a fossil replica of the bone. So, like, the, the bone works its way into sand, and then the opal, like, forms where it was. Which is, I guess, how fossils form normally. It's just, like, yeah, this is just but, a special kind of rock. But it's, like, opal in that place i can't talk but it, about that. but it i don't but understand it is like opal i can't, in that place i don't understand how opal forms and how that works so it's hard yeah. for me to like picture this right now but i, be I believe you obviously well speaking of pictures you have pictures i do so there's what one of them looks like whoa so it's got like these little blue bits that's the opal yeah um here's a really pretty one Oh, wow. So they're both fossils and gemstones at the same time, which I'd never, I didn't realize was so even a thing. That is so neat. I think yeah, that's I've so cool. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Wow. I, I'm going to need yeah. to read more about this later. This like, article is really works. fascinating. I learned a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My third story is food news. This is from Yahoo News. This week, the company Torque, which bills itself as the maker of nearly half of the napkins used in the food service industry in the U.S. today. What an accomplishment. <laughs> uh, announced the results of a survey the brand commissioned on the topic of lunch breaks. 
Okay. A very fascinating topic. Okay, so napkins and lunch breaks. Yeah. <laughs> You've got my interest. Now reel me in. Their big takeaway was that millennials, defined as workers 18 to 35 years of age, would like more fulfilling, more regular lunch breaks, but are also more worried about the ramifications of taking lunch breaks than other generations. That's terrible. Right? I take a I take a good lunch break every day. <laughs> See, I don't actually. So yeah, I'm, I know you I'm don't. I'm one of the people in this group, I guess. But I feel like we at least work at a place where I wouldn't, I'm not nervous about taking a lunch break, taking yeah. some time to eat, which is nice. That, yes. So I, feel I think like it depends on the environment. For a lot right. of them, it's probably the, yeah, the work environment mm-hmm. more than anything. Um, specifically, Torek found that millennials are nearly three times more likely than baby boomers to believe that coworkers would judge them negatively if they regularly took a lunch break. And yet 44% of millennials strongly agreed that they look forward to their lunch break <laughs> versus only 36% of uh, Gen Xers. Um, and then they also commented that the issue is somewhat self-inflicted because the survey also found that millennial bosses were twice as likely as Gen X bosses to look down on employees who took lunch breaks. What the heck? So <laughs> what are we doing? It's like, it's like if you're a boss, then you're looking down on people. For that. It's like, I don't know. Why would I don't you, know. Why would you look down on somebody for eating? I know. I don't get that. You got to eat. I know. Yeah, so I read this and I was sad. That's, and then I thought we could talk about lunch a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> it's a really short story, but um, I love yeah. lunch. I feel like I have it's, fallen. It's a highlight of my day. I've fallen into that pattern of there's some days during the week that I make sure that I take a lunch break, but probably three out of five days I don't really do that. Like I just eat at my desk or like I still eat food, but I just don't, yeah. I don't really take a break to eat. That's so sad. I don't know. I'm used to it. Like it's not, yeah. it doesn't really bother me that much as long as I can. Yeah. Take I guess as long as it doesn't bother you, that's fine. But I just, I don't know. I like having that, that break in the day. I feel like it gives me like, I have my morning and I get my stuff done in the morning and then I have my afternoon and I get my stuff done in the afternoon. Yeah. And I know like, like in the, I know in the morning chunks. that like, okay, I've got something coming. So I've, I've got lunch coming up, so I'll do this thing that'll take me 10 minutes. And like, I don't know. It helps me organize my day. So hmm. I think it's beneficial in a lot of ways, obviously. But um, Yeah, I actually use that time. So, like sometimes if I just eat at my desk, I'll use it to kind of like just look through some emails or like maybe sometimes I'll be on my phone or something. Like it's more of like a, a time when I'm not feeling like I need to be doing something yeah. like So you're kind of, you're taking tasky. a little bit of a break. Yes, but it's not like I'm, not working. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, right. and I mean, I, I like hanging out with our coworkers too. So mm. like, yeah, that that's fun. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I, said, I, I would do that. It's just that <laughs> I don't always feel like I can, which I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting, but yeah, apparently this is a thing with our generation, which I was surprised about because I thought that well, I don't know what similar why things about now about millennials feeling that way about taking vacation too. Even though it's oh really yeah, even though it's something that they get, they like some of them just won't do it because they're worried about the stigma of like oh you're taking vacation you're I I don't know it just wow same kind of idea I guess just longer term yeah I, I, I don't know. know I for one take I take a lunch break every day and I use all my <laughs> vacation every year so I I definitely <laughs> use all my vacation every year I for sure not relate to that 
Um, but again, I think that's partially their company culture. So we're kind of lucky. Yeah. I think. Yeah. A lot of it's culture for sure. Your company. Yeah. All right. Last story I brought is entertainment news. This comes from Kiss ninety five seven. It's a okay. radio show's website. Okay. Uh, police want people to stop bringing their horse down Old Town Road in New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> is there a is there a road called Old Town Road? Mm-hmm. <laughs> The Marlboro Police Department in New Hampshire want people to stop bringing their horses to Old Town Road. Since the popular song from Lil Nas X uh, was released, people have been bringing their horses to Old Town Road to create a music video. (laughs) The, The Marlboro Police Department sent out a message on Facebook Sunday that said, Please stop taking your horses down to our Old Town Road. This quiet neighborhood off Troy Road is not a suitable filming location for your amateur rap videos. For our our older followers, please disregard this pop culture reference and continue your equestrian activities as usual. And that's the whole story. I just read you the entire article. (laughs) But I saw that headline and I had to. <laughs> please, please stop taking please your stop horse ta- down this old town road. Please stop taking your horses to Old Town Road for your amateur. <laughs> your your music amateur videos. rap videos. Oh, it's so good. I don't know. I, I wasn't thinking that a ton of people would be trying to do that. <laughs> I guess. Like it's funny to me that so many people are doing that that they needed to do this. Like maybe if it's one person did it, it's funny to me that so fine, many people had horses available apparently yeah, to do that. Yeah, and who are these people with the horses? Maybe they're all bringing the same horse. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a rental horse down the street. <laughs> It'd be a profitable business. Just open a stall with one horse and be like, next "Hey, you want to next to Old Town Road? <laughs> hey, you want to bring your horse down Old Town Road? Road here you go, <laughs> dude. We should open that. We we, we would make money." We would have made we, we money ha- a few weeks ago. I think. Yeah, we just just open it up for like a couple months right now, mm-hmm. and then close it. Yeah, yeah, and just ang- and anger the police department apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Lil Nas X, ready, set, go. 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 All right, the story I found is from CBS News, and the headline is, Chess piece missing for almost 200 years discovered in family's drawer. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) It's just about a generation, like a couple generations of people who couldn't find a chess piece. (laughs) On the surface, that's what it seems like it's about, but no, actually... Um, it's actually a 900-year-old chess piece oh. from the, a set of chess pieces that is a, like a known artifact. Okay. It's part of the, um, let me find the name of it here, the Lewis chess set. Where is it called? Which is this known um, a set of chess pieces discovered in 1831 on Scotland's Isle of Lewis. And they are like handcrafted works of art basically out of ivory. Oh. And so they're considered like 
historical art, basically the yeah. like artifacts. Okay. Um, but they, there were pieces missing from the set and this family had one of them. And <laughs> I guess the grandfather of the family was like an antique dealer or something and bought it from someone for like some small amount of money. Like they didn't know what it was and they had it. And I'm not exactly sure how they figured out what it was, but now they have figured out what it is. And like the historical people know where it is now. And it's worth $1.2 million. Holy cow. Just the one chess piece. That's wow. What is the set worth then? Oh, I don't, probably it, it's priceless. Like Are the they whole, still missing other pieces then? Yeah. There's other pieces still okay. missing. Well, check your drawers, people. Yeah, I know. Right. This is what it looks like. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Looks old though. Yeah, it's it's which it is. I'm just it's saying. hundreds. Of, it's a hundreds of years old chess piece. Yeah, um, it's very intricate though. But yeah, but they the family saved it this whole time because it was like this cool thing that like their grandfather had, and yeah. it was like, oh wait, this is actually part of like the Lewis. But not chess but not so cool that you stored it somewhere outside of a drawer. Yeah, well, I I said that the um the lady that actually had it in her possession had it like wrapped up in like a special like bag or something oh, in a drawer. Okay. it wasn't just like in a junk drawer <laughs> that's, that's what the headline makes it sound like but no <laughs> still i feel like if i had like something she was like that treating I'd display it especially it, it wasn't just like somewhere in the house um but yeah it's just kind of funny like the headline yeah funny, <laughs> wildly misleading <laughs> all right uh the story is from the huffington post Walmart sells graduation cake to mom without telling her it's styrofoam. What? I know, this, what? It's almost a little sad. Um, a woman in Pasadena, Texas is... Re- There's so many puns in this article, and I'm not going to repeat them. Um, is really mad at her local Walmart after the store's employees goofed up an order for a graduation cake by giving her one made out of styrofoam. Uh, she had ordered one to celebrate the uh, high school graduation of her daughter. Um, but when she went to pick up the cake, they had apparently lost the order and didn't have anything ready for them. So they said to choose any cake from the ones that were ready to go. Uh, they added a cup, a cap and gown photo of, uh, the daughter and she brought it to the graduation party, but apparently the one that she had picked out was styrofoam and they didn't realize that until they cut into it and, you know, it was not cake. Uh, (laughs) Wait, so they had a styrofoam cake? Out in the display, like in the ready display, to go cakes? and then nobody thought, "Hey, this cake feels light and like styrofoam." When they were picking it up, I guess um, the uh, Walmart manager offered her a sixty-dollar gift card, a free additional cake, and another gift card <laughs> <laughs> to try to make up for it. Which I think that you made out pretty yeah. well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she says she was humiliated, but I feel like. It was it was probably okay, pretty like, I funny. Think, like I would I don't think I hope you would have had a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Like it was obviously a mistake and like they did try to make up for it, so Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was pretty I think it's pretty funny. I, I get it would be kind of it's upsetting like, in the moment. So, but yeah. Like hopefully they one can of the look employees back on it. put a styrofoam cake into the like display of cakes ready to go. That's probably what happened. Okay. So probably just one of the employees put this styrofoam cake into the display of things ready to go versus like in the spot where the styrofoam cake is supposed to go where I don't know where that is. The garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Why would they make a styrofoam cake? Is it just to 
so that it doesn't for display actually go, purposes. Probably but you have to put frosting on it still, right? Yes, I, I don't know. Oh, I'm assuming that it was just styrofoam inside with frosting on top. That's what was it looked like from the pictures. Sty- like the star, I think the the like it you'd was think frosting. that the mom would notice that it was just yeah. styrofoam. Well, especially the weight would definitely be low. Right. Or if like the whole thing was not necessarily styrofoam, but like some type of like foam fake material and it was literally just for display purposes. From the picture, though, it looked like that classic like packing foam that you would find in like a box around something. Like you would think that cake would weigh nothing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Everyone that was, is funny, though. <laughs> everyone in this funny. story was at fault, and I think Walmart did their best to try to make up for it, so who knows? It'll all work out in the end. Yes. They got another cake. Mm-hmm. They got some gift cards. Yeah. It's all going to be good. Let them eat styrofoam. Is that one of the puns in the article, no. or did you just come up with that? I came up with that nice. one. Nice. <laughs> all right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever other app you'd like to use. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.